Are you ready? Okay, Smokey. Roll him. <laughs> That's silly. Shoot him now! Shoot him now! Hello, everyone, and welcome to That's Not Quite All, folks, a Looney Tunes podcast. I'm your host, Mark Hanlon, joined by... And I'm Jordan Schmidt, and welcome to the most topical That's Not Quite All, folks, we have ever done. That's right, folks. Usually, we have a large cushion when we record, so we'll record something in May, and the episode won't be released until June or July. Because we took so many vacation weeks, uh, the cushion has basically dissipated, and so now... We're recording this episode on a Wednesday and putting it out on the very following Monday. So we are recording this September 13th, 2023. The episode comes out on September 18th. We have a five-day window. So this is the most topical pretty much you're ever going to hear. It's almost like it's live. Although, I mean, you know, when we our live shows don't get the kind of views that this is going to get. So... Um, it's it's a good thing we're doing this. Yes. To prove what day it is, I'm holding up a newspaper. You yes. can't see it, but I'm totally holding up a newspaper. Yes, it's certainly not a piece of paper that says, please help Jordan's holding me hostage and making me do this episode really close to the edit. Um, <laughs> this is what you get. I, 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 I was going to fire you, but I figured this would be a lot better for both of us. Um, yes. Yeah, Um, but yeah, this is a very topical episode, so (laughs) the jokes will probably still be fresh by the time you hear it on Monday, Uh, or in the very far future, in which case this won't be topical if you get into this podcast after September 2023, so... Oh, well. Oh, well. But the thing that we're talking about is, is evergreen. It's universal. Well, it's not universal. It's Time Warner. It is one of the many great things that Time Warner gave to cartoon curation in the 1990s and early 2000s, which is the, I don't think smash hit is the right word, but the very influential, long-running... I I would say the cult classic. Cult classic is a good term. Yes, the cult classic. I'd say that. uh, 30-to-hour-long animation-loving program tune hits. This is something that we have some nostalgia for, that I hope all of you have nostalgia for, because this... This block that Cartoon Network would air every week or so for 10 years, essentially, uh, they loved cartoons as much as we now do. And it's because of shows like Toonheads that now we have the number of podcast dedication to the curation of animated history than we are now. Most of these people are probably very much aware of or love Toonheads. You don't get historical interest in the making of cartoons at age 10 Without watching a Toon Heads or a or a Walt Disney Treasures DVD bonus features or, or stuff like that, or a behind the tunes, but we already talked about those. This episode is aimed purely at the nerds of cartoon history. Let's just yes. call it, it is. Hello, fellow nerds. Glad you yes. glad you joined us for this evening. Um, but the thing is, is that this is very much a nerd show, and it was proud of because you know the whole premise of the show was spending a couple of, you know, a couple of blocks, you know, an hour, a half an hour and talking about cartoons you hadn't thought of in years, cartoons that hadn't been viewed in years and giving a new perspective, a historical perspective to things that we may not be thinking about on a Saturday morning as the reruns are on. 
And for this to be broadcast while Turner was also producing the next generation of cartoons, you know, the, the Powerpuff Girls, Dexter's Laboratory, Billy and Mandy, Ed and Eddie, all of those, I think was very interesting. And it, it really speaks to that era of Cartoon Network, the curation and perpetuation of cartoons old and new. And I wish that was something that the company's current owners would share a little bit. Yeah, so the two Two and a Heads episodes we are looking at today are The Year Elmer Was Fat, mm-hmm. followed by Two and Heads, The Lost Cartoons. Yeah, and it actually is perfect that we picked these two is because one of them is your standard run-of-the-mill Two and Heads episode. It gives you a good idea of what any Two and Heads episode would be. And the other one is a special that uh, was one of their hour-long programs that tried to do more over the course of an episode and tried to weave a more of a historical web, in a sense. They did a lot more specials uh, towards the end of the run in the last three or four years of Toon Heads uh, as the show sort of evolved, which I think we're probably going to talk about. But uh, those are just as important because there's a lot of those that are still talked about to this day, some of the specials. One in particular, I think, is a very big-button issue among many Looney Tunes fans. And I think we'll get into that as we talk about the show. You could almost say that one of the shorts in this first episode was probably brought up in this uh, special. Probably. But, again, it, 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 it's complicated. But before we get into history and the episodes of things, Mark, do you have any personal connections to Tuneheads? Did you watch it at all when it was on? Yeah, I did. I did. Um... I, I can't say any specifics, you know, like, oh, like, what's of the episodes popped out to you? But it's very much, like, I think I saw, oh, on, on 2000 plus, I, I would have I been, like, five when, the, when the, the special recovery came out. So maybe I saw that one. But, what, but pretty much what I remember Tunes being was this, you know, kind of a fun not not quite educational, but you know, very much like, hey, you know, uh, cartoons are are good. They're really good. But here's the here's the historical context behind it. Here's what was probably in, influencing the writers and directors and and, and maybe the, the voice cast. I don't know about making these cartoons and why why do, there are these certain eras like why is there an era where elmer fudd was all of a sudden big and round i'm sure as kids we never once thought oh yeah isn't it weird there's like these couple cartoons where elmer's fat no conventionally most children don't pay attention to that but tune well, in they to just the get another like, cartoon like okay that's fine you know yeah, it's like it's like yeah, it's like no, there, there's a reason behind this. It, it wasn't just for yeah. random shits and gills. There was a reason, yeah. and I do like how they're able to present that in a way where no, again, it's educational, but it's not yes. talking down to its audience, and it's in fact respecting them. Which again, I'm, I'm gonna say it's a lot of this episode, but I think a lot of us watching this show kind of helped us with this show personally yeah with, with the podcast we host um yeah yeah no I, and it's very funny that you mentioned the um bit about this being an educational show because i was literally about to make that point and it's just proof that we have the same brain uh which is really yeah. cool um but yeah no no I, I again like as an educational show as somebody that 
as a show that would tell kids about, you know, okay, yes, these are very funny cartoons, but this is what you need to know about them, and this is why they're this way. Like, I like that. I like that it's educational while also saying, well, this is what the cartoon is. Isn't it fun when Bugs Bunny slaps around Elmer Fuck or whatever? Like, yeah. Like, okay, this is funny, but here's why it is. It's a history lesson as well as, you know, the show, which is good. I mean, um, it puts it puts the faces to the names. Yeah. If you're a Toonhead watching kid, not, after you watch episode Toonhead and you watch the next uh, Bugs and Daffy show, you can go, oh, this is a Chuck Jones cartoon. Yeah. I like him because he did Rapid Fire. Oh, that too. You know the titles of the shorts better, I, yes. I feel, if you were to watch Toonheads. Yes, because it says it right in the corner there before it starts up. So, I have some very faint memories of Toonheads being on because as a kid, I had Cartoon Network on around the clock and I would tune in to a lot of the, the, the nighttime loony programming of, you know, the Bugs Bunny show or, you know, or the, the uh, Bugs and Daffy or whatever it was. And then the Bob Clampett show, the Tex Avery show, and watching those. And I remember one time after a lot of, you know, Cartoon Network programming, I think around at nine, I think it used to air on nine on, on weekends, I think. Um, or maybe earlier. Um, I don't know. I forget when Adult Swim came on in that era. But um, but it was around the time where I was like, okay, you know, it's uh, it's around the time where I, I, I go to bed in like 2001 or 2002. But I remember just the beginning, oh, what's this Toonheads thing? Like, oh, they're talking... There, it's this. It's this more. It's the smarter things. Like, okay, they're they're explaining things about the show. It's more of like a like a documentary series, and it, and it intrigued me. And and it always felt like the next level that I wasn't you know old enough for. It's like okay, all these cartoons are itself, but it's like okay, Tune Heads is like okay, maybe when I'm a little older. And there was an episode of Tune Heads on the Golden Collection, which we'll talk about in a bit. But um, yeah. other than that, I didn't watch a lot. Like, unless I, I mean, there are probably some that I watched at some point on Cartoon Network because I remember what it did, and and you know, I have some subconscious memory of what it was able to do. But I didn't. A lot of it was just like, you know, oh, okay, you know, maybe I don't get this yet. And now as an adult, I'm like, okay, this is great. <laughs> I see what it's doing, and I like it. Yes, I'll I'll just watch this when I'm older. Cut to. Years later, where this show is a little bit hard to find, it's like ah crap. Well, Damn it's it. out there if you know where to look. But it's it's because there's yeah. a lot of people online that curate them, uh, the you know YouTube channels and archive.com and things like that. But like it's not like streaming or anything. But these were no. relatively easy to find. Both of these, uh, I think some of them have been lost, but not all of them. In fact, the ones you think might be lost are actually pretty accessible. And again, we'll get into that as we get into detailing the show. I couldn't find much behind the scenes about Toon Heads. Yeah. Um, the most I, I could find is Jerry Beck's involved. Um, Absolutely. He was one of the producers for it. Um, in, fact, in fact, I'm pretty sure he has the tapes for Toon Heads. I, I think if you were to ask him, like, hey, do you have the tapes for these five episodes you've been trying to find for years? You'd be like, oh, yeah, it's right here in my closet. Like, yeah. Right underneath time. all the other uh, rare prints of Looney Media. Yeah. He opens his... It, it's, he literally has, like, Bruce Wayne's mansion. Like, he ha un undoes, like, a little statue on his desk, and he undoes the head and presses the button, and a huge wall of all the Looney Media pops up. It's like, ah, uh, yes, yeah, so you were looking for episode... Se season four, episode seven? Okay, it's right in between... Okay, here you go. And again, if you tell anybody this, I'm going to have to kill you. Um, <laughs> yeah, he just lifts up the Bugs Bunny bust versus yeah. the bun. Just do, 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 do. <laughs> 
And if Jerry Beck wants to disprove this theory, our email is... No, 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 no. Jerry will love it, though. You know what? Yeah, I am Batman. That's pretty awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, they're all, they're all relatively out there. Um, well, yeah, well, yeah, Jerry was, was involved. Yes, but it was mostly a lot of the, the higher-ups. Turner would be like, yeah, this would be a good idea. Because this was the same. Yes. around the time where Cartoon Network was still the Turner Classic movies of cartoons. And it was more about yeah. curation, more about, you know, the this is the cartoon that has, this is the channel that has all the 60s and 70s cartoons you haven't seen in 20 years. Before Boomerang existed. And uh, Tune Heads was one of the uh, launch programs on Cartoon yes. Network when it originally started. Um, George A. Klein was also a prominent figure with Tune Heads. Uh, he, I believe he was a producer. Yeah. Yes, then, yes. He moved yeah. as producer and writer of the show. So I guess because we are look at episodes written under him. And what, would, what he would do is that he would, you know, he would write it and provide the scratch audio for it. Right. So if you were to listen to any episodes that are rare-ish, you get his narration. But um, no, and, and, but for the actual show, they got uh, Leslie Fram to do the narration for uh, yeah. Two Heads. And she gives a very, like, it almost sounds like a modern podcaster voice. It's, just, it's like an NPR kind right? of thing. Right? Yeah. Well, which she does have a background in radio. Oh, that's perfect. Um, she, she, she was a former radio DJ and is, uh, at least according to Wikipedia, is the senior vice president of music strategy for country music television. Okay. So, yeah. Is she the announcer for the CMAs? A lot like we love it when Tom Kenny is the announcer for the Kids' Choice Awards. It doesn't fit. It's like, ah, yes. Hi, this y'all. This is how it's supposed to be. Giddy up and toodaloo. Because it's time for... But yeah, you know, so what Tune Heads was, essentially, was an hour, a half an hour block where they would go through themes. Okay, what's a theme we can cover this week? Oh, how about um, Bugs Bunny and Fairy Tales? We'll cover... Shorts where Bugs Bunny's in a bunch of fairy tales, and we cover that for a half hour. Okay, and then that one. Okay, I will do one where it's like one hit wonders of cartoons. Okay, fine, we'll, we'll do that. And then there's ones we could do like a Rocky or Muggsy episode. Okay, they could do a rock. Sound familiar, folks? <laughs> yeah. You ever um... do something subliminally for three years without realizing that? A show that was on for 10 years that you watched as a kid did it first. Yeah. Um, they, they did what? Around three to four shorts each episode? So, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, some fun commentary in between? Yeah. Mm, yeah. So if Jerry Big wants to reach out to us... Um, t- Actually, you owe me money. What the <laughs> hell? You were checking my style for three. Oh. Uh, yes. uh, just really needed a, a, another note from somebody's lawyer. Oh, you told Bing Crosby he can go shove it. <laughs> yes, the Bing people won't leave us alone. But it jokes on us because we're we're big. We're better on. We we prefer Ask Jeeves. Um. Anyway, so I mean, you you talk about the format of the show, and you talk about that becoming like because originally. In the first couple of 
seasons of it, it was very much a wraparound sort of thing, where it's like, okay, we're going to talk about, you know, this, and we're going to feature four cartoons and whatever, and it was less about actually producing a show and more about, well, these are some cartoons we're going to show during this block, and um, here's some fun facts. It's like a combination between pop-up video and Elvira showing a movie. It's like, okay, here it is, but with some added information and bridging. It's, it's almost like a more educated version of The Bugs Bunny Show. Um, and then as it went along, as it, as, you know, it went towards the late 90s, it became more about, you know, a story-based and, you know, more emphasis on the bridging and more emphasis on actually making a show rather than just, well, here's some cartoons. Um, and that's what led to the sort of specials that I referred to earlier. And um, the specials were toward the end of the run interspersed in one or two of the seasons. Um, not all of the specials aired. Uh, one or two of them never aired. One of them was... Uh, on, it was on 12 Bugs Bunny shorts that were not used in circulation. Not exactly the censored 11, but close. And ironically, that show would never be aired, but it was released and it's been circulated on, you know, YouTube and things. And you can find it online right now. You could search that title and you could watch it on YouTube or archive right now. So it may have been lost at the time, but it was released into the wild yes yes and that's one of the ones that that got jerry's okay like oh here's the tape go ahead yeah. <laughs> i don't run the thing anymore you can upload yeah. it and um yeah that's one where i think a certain clip from a cartoon we'll be looking at comes from yep and we'll get into that um yeah. right now uh <laughs> Yeah. All right. So the first episode we're looking at today is the year Elmer got fat. And did I choose this? Because that's a funny ass title. You bet. Of course. You. Um, of course you did. That's a great title. Um, it came out. It came out. Was released onto the airwaves on June thirteenth, nineteen ninety nine. Mm. Guards the music charts number one in the U.S was If You Had My Love by Jennifer Lopez. Oh. Number two was Livin' La Vida Loca by Ricky Martin. Number three was No Scrubs by TLC. Yeah. And number four and five are groups I don't know. Uh, Maxwell and okay. 702. I don't yeah, I, I hadn't heard of them either. Yeah. Was there a decent one in the UK? <laughs> oh. Okay. Okay. So... I'm going to go from... Okay, so number one was Bring It All Back by S Club 7. Yes, exactly. Probably one of their best-known songs. Uh, even though it did, it wasn't a hit over here, I, I, I've i heard of that one more than I've heard of their other hit. Yes, but, here's some, but I got some interesting uh, stuff here. So um, number four was That Don't Impress Me Much by Shia Twain. Okay. Number three was Everybody's Free to Wear Sunscreen by... Baz Luhrmann? Do you know what that song is, Mark? I have a feeling I should know what it is, but I don't Here is what it is. So basically, Everybody's Free to Wear, wear Sunscreen is a famous graduation speech, almost. that like, like A speaker came to give a bunch of high school graduates, or maybe even college graduates, advice. 
you know, basically it, it's a song, it, it's, it's a speech that basically with the thesis of do all of the things, uh, try, try everything, do the things that make you scared. And the thing that, you know, the big the rebounding statement of this is wear sunscreen because you're going to be going everywhere and doing everything. And you want to, you want to live as long as possible. So make sure you wear sunscreen. And Boz Lerman, the director of Moulin Rouge and uh, Elvis and all of these so much movies, basically had it recorded and added a relatively funky beat to it. Uh, Mark will play in a clip of it here. I will dispense this advice now. Enjoy the power and beauty of your youth. Oh, never mind. You will not understand the power and beauty of your youth until they fade it. But trust me, in 20 years, you'll look back at photos of yourself and recall in a way you can't grasp now how much possibility lay before you and how fabulous you really looked. You are not as fat as you imagine. Don't worry about the future or worry, but know that worrying as effective as trying to solve an algebra equation by chewing bubblegum. The real troubles in your life are apt to be things that never crossed your worried mind. The kind that... It's an interesting song. It's barely music, but it's interesting, and as, as novelty hits go, it's really intriguing. And I, 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 think, that it, I think that we all deserve to at least know what it is. Now that's not the song I was like, oh my god, about really because number two, no, because number two in the UK is a new release was "Beautiful Stranger" by Madonna from the soundtrack to Austin Powers. Or is the spy who shagged me? Shagged me. Yes. I always forget that was a hit in the UK because I they they tried over here and wasn't big hit. It was so weird that Madonna did a song. But honestly, a good song. I mean, the cosmic joke being that Madonna gave a better song to the James Bond parody than to the actual James Bond movie she uh, gave. Yeah, because I don't like Die Another Day, the song or the movie. But Beautiful Stranger is a very fun song because it's aping the sort of flower power 60s kind of thing that Austin Powers breathes on. Also, surprisingly good soundtrack. The Dr. Evil theme that plays over the credits was recorded by uh, Robin Goldwasser, who is the wife of, I think, somebody in They Might Be Giants. I forget who. But it's basically a They Might Be Giants song with a female vocalist. And then I think I think that's the one that has a little Green Day on the soundtrack. Don't quote me. This episode was written and directed by somebody. No one. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I don't we, know. we can't really find credits on this too easily. So, What this episode is, again, it's just, it's going over the eight-month period 
that WB did where uh, Bob Clampett was like, hey, let's redesign Elmer Fudd to look like a, to look like Arthur Q. Bryan. Yeah. And Arthur Q. Bryan was a fat man, a, a, a more rounder gentleman. Yes. They're like, yes, we're going to redesign Elmer Fudd. Have it look more like you, Arthur. And Arthur was probably like, oh. Uh, no. All right. Um, maybe don't do that. That's kinda... It's like, yeah, I don't care what your feelings. At least I don't. Bob Clampett. That's right, me. Bob Clampett. Don't care about my voice or his feelings. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Ruth's going to love that. And yeah, so this short, oh my God. This episode demonstrates three of the shorts from this era. Those being Wabbit Trouble. The Wacky Wabbit and Fresh Hair. Um, One of these we've covered. Um, yes. Back in our, in our me episode, we did cover uh, Wabbit Trouble back then. My thoughts are still the same on it. It's a really damn good cartoon that goes beyond the uh, the memory. Yes. Uh, they don't show all of it in this one, I don't think. They show some of it. It's still excellent. But the thing is that, like, what's good is I think they knew, is like, okay, Wabbit Trouble is the one that everybody knows. Let's do some of the other ones. So they talk about, they, 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 they show all, pretty much all of the Wacky Rabbit. This one's pretty good. Well, I do like about the Wacky Rabbit in a way. It's like you can tell it was like right in the middle of them going, okay, Elmer is way more fatter now. Guys, yeah. throw in all the fat jokes you want. Yeah, like, oh, you can't fit in this, you can't fit in that. You know. Bugs at one point rips off Elmer's clothing. He reveals he's re- Elmer's wearing a girdle. Yeah. He goes over, he looks at the audience like, oh, don't laugh. I bet some of you are wearing this, which, uh But it's still, again, they, they it's still a very fun performance from Arthur Q. Bryan because they, like, he starts off the short singing Oh, Susanna. And like just a lot, of, even some of his regular lines, like him just looking at us and going, there's something really screwy around here. Even that has some extra heft to it. And it seems like a more pronounced and a lot more wild performance from Arthur Q. Bryan, which if he's going to be a lot bigger, that's that's makes sense because he's got more more lung space to go from, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. And I, I do like just the little, little gag here, just... Bugs wearing the skeleton of the skeleton oh, of the uh, of that just mm-hmm. messing with Elmer. It, it's such it's it's great Bugs Elmer dynamic stuff. That's just yeah, good dudes are great. Um, but yeah, no, that that one I think worked really well. Yeah, I, I think um, again, there's so many fat jokes in this. I, I'm shocked that the last two minutes wasn't just. Bugs walks over to a brick wall and goes, Elma's so fat, how fat is he? Hey! (laughs) I'm trying to do a cartoon here. (laughs) Which, okay. Yeah. If the Warner crew had the ability to do your mama's so fat jokes based on Elmer, they absolutely would have. They absolutely would have. Elma's so fat... The when he eats a carton of butter, he's just going to have seconds. You know, something tells me that the Yo Mama jokes really would not have caught on in the 1940s. Because we're getting over the the age of the, the, the soldier 
who goes into battle and thinks of mother before he's about to die. And it's like, <laughs> oh, the mother is the most important figure because, you know, he's a prideful man. And so it's just the 40s are hoisted upon, you know, mama's so fat. And like, oh! how dare you, cartoon? He just, he just comes back from the war. Ah, yes, I'm so happy to see my mother. Children are on the street corner. Hey, mister. <laughs> yes? Your mama's so fat, she has two zip codes. What? Oh. of pearls that he has on for some reason. Um, I then, yeah, yes, me manly with my pearls that I'm clutching. No, 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 he, no, sorry, with his medals of honor or whatever the fuck. Next you're going to tell um, me he, uh, he cuts down trees, he wears high heels. Oh, <laughs> uh, Roger, and I thought you were so rugged. Um, is this like the 50th yeah. That's Not Quite All Folks episode to reference the Lumberjack song? I feel like we go to that well a lot. Yeah, yeah, we do. Not we do. That that's, not uh, that there's anything wrong with the Lumberjack song. Oh, it's on, it's on. Um, so there's something anyways. about the just the cut to five other guys dressed as Mounties singing the refrain that always gets me. It's like, yeah, yeah, we're with him. We agree, you know. Then would you like to go into what the last cartoon is? Oh, because yes. sorry um speaking of mounties well fresh hair is what they end with and because it's funny because they they talk about the fact that okay two of these were done by bob clampett and two of them were done by frizz freeling and like yeah you know because they talk about the way it came to supper which we also already covered and they only right. show a little bit of that one in, in in passing clips but they show almost all of fresh hair which is one that doesn't really get discussed very often because there hasn't really been a master of it or a remaster of it in that in that respect. Um, oh. And it's fascinating because watching this short, it was really... I didn't expect it to be as funny as it was for something that had been lost for so long. Okay, they're out in the snow. It's Elmer's a Mountie chasing bugs out in the snow, and you get all these really fun snow gags. My favorite one in this cartoon was the one where they're 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 chasing each other in and out of a snowbank and then all and you just see oh, outline yeah. of bugs, outline of Elmer, outline of bugs, outline of Elmer, and then suddenly outline of like a, a pinup model. And then Elmer just looks back like what? My favorite gag from it is where you know Elmer's looking for bugs and Bugs is just talking to this snowman he made yes. of Elmer, like writing the snowman. And Mark just going, Bugs, what the hell are you doing? You gone crazy. What the fuck are you doing? And then Bugs like all right, that's it. I'm gonna get you. And he just turns around and just punches Elmer in the face. It's so brutal that I love it. it, it it's brutal bugs from this from this early era that's just, you know, bugs is mean. He doesn't give a shit. He's gonna punch him in the face. Yeah. It's, you know, it's hilarious. It, the gag work, again, the freeling gag work here is, is really nice. And... I like how it builds on itself and I like how it just keeps pounding and keeps pounding. And we, we, we get toward this ending where he's up against a firing squad of Mounties, which is a very <laughs> fun escalation for a Looney Tunes. Like, okay, well, at first, you know, cause the whole thing is that there's a bounty on his head and, oh yeah. And there, there's a bit where he, he oh. caricatures a, a, the, the, the wanted photo to look like Hitler. Um, yeah. Forties. <laughs> yeah. That's allowed. But yeah. The end of it is, is is Elmer essentially capturing Bugs and taking them away and getting him in front of a firing squad of Mounties. 
And the episode itself ends after a couple of bars of, of bugs getting the whole whole of the the firing squad to sing uh, Dixie with him. And it just fades out and the episode ends. I'm like, huh? okay, something was cut. What happened here? I wonder what was cut. Ended a little bit fast. Yeah, because the whole thing is that like it's it's Toonheads, and so they, they present things about animation history, and there's a line they use in, in the following one um, that's very telling about their stance on content. But like, okay, um, something was clearly cut, and because it's Toonheads rather than your regulation Looney Tunes, it had to have been really bad. <laughs> and it was. So I looked this up because yes. I'm like, that's weird. And what it happens is Bug sings Dixie. And then it then all the Mounties start singing. Yeah. And they sing um Kentucky. The the Kentucky song. Uh um, uh uh, the, the Kentucky Fried Chicken jingle. No, um, the uh, the 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 Cap Town Cap Town Ladies. Yeah, gotcha. Cap Town Ladies. Those in Cap Town Races. Yeah. And when they do that, the scene—it's a new scene. It transitions to a new scene. They're not the firing squad wall anymore. It looks like they're on a field or a plantation. Or a plantation, and everyone is black. They're all in blackface, folks. In blackface. And the ending line of this is Bugs acknowledging this is a crazy way to end a cartoon. Like, oh, in this crazy, we're singing this song going, fantastic, isn't it, folks? As it ours is out. Um, folks, remember I said last week that <laughs> there is such you know, an issue we have on our show sometimes is you know, we'll see a really good cartoon and the ending is just terrible. You know, and our go-to, and go-to example is you know, Tweet and the Beanstalk, where all yes. of a sudden Tweety is Chinese for no fucking reason. Well, found a new example. That's pretty bad. Pretty iffy. He hasn't aged well at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, listen. You cut this. You don't lose much. You know. No. The, the ending of this and the ending that's on Tune Heads give the same message across. Buzz gets away from the firing squad by singing. It's stupid, but whatever. It's the end of the cartoon. We're not going to kill Bugs Bunny. No. But, no, god dang, you know, all the time, it's like, oh, no, Fresh Hair is really a cartoon. Why haven't they remastered it? What's up with that? Why haven't they remastered it? This is why. That's why. That, that's that's all it, it takes. It just takes 30 bad seconds to be like, we can't. We can't. I We know it's really good, but we can't. Just a big slide that says ending missing. Sorry. Signed Jerry Beck. Also, that last line is terrible. Yeah. Fantastic, ain't it, folks? Holy fuck, no, it's not. No, none of this is. 
I can think of several adjectives, but fantastic is not one of them. No! God damn it! And that's where the episode ends. It's like, well, okay, we're going to get out of here before you can really process what's about to happen. Goodbye, see you next time on Toonheads. Pretty much. It's like, oh, we're... What's on the next mean? episode, something that isn't racist. What's racist? Nothing's racist. You didn't see anything. Goodbye now. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. But coming up after the break, you'll, you'll get the answer to this question. Who did we have to distract in order to get this on the air? <laughs> if you guessed the censor at Cartoon Network, you're correct. You don't win anything because this isn't a game show. This is a history show. Get with it. Exactly. Coming up next. So, quick, while no one's watching, put on Cold Black. Um, so, yeah. If we were to give animal ratings, I would give this short a 3.5 out of 5 animals. Oh, fresh air, I'd give it a 4. Mm, okay, well, I'll be a little harsh there. <laughs> No, it's a I understand why. I just think that the the whole of it is good enough to supplant the bad ending. If you not, if you lop off that, then it's it's still it's a four point five. But I'm like, okay, I'm only well, well, yeah, yeah. The tune heads edit. I'll give that a four point five. I'll Absolutely. give that a four point five. But yeah, I can't in good faith. If only there was some sort of episode where we would look at controversial shorts. And not have, to, and I wouldn't. We wouldn't have to. So, Mark, what you're saying is, is if only there was an episode of this that was about the the shorts that didn't make air and were kept in a vault somewhere and were lost to time. Yeah. Well, we have here. Oh. <laughs> the lost cartoons. And again, if you want, again, there, there's there's the bugs, like the twelve bugs that went missing. One that's again, go on YouTube. It's there. We're covering the lost cartoons. Yes. And the lost cartoons was. Released on March the 12th, 2000. On this day... <laughs> well... On this day, Pope John Paul II apologizes for wrongdoings committed by the Roman Catholic Church members throughout history. Yeah, that'll help. Oh, what happened? Um... Mark, I don't know how to tell you this, but, um... The, not all of those priests were very, very good. Okay. Yeah. Some of them were, were very incompetent. Um, in the charts... In the charts that week, number one in the... I actually, again, this is more with... Like with the last one, it's me having a leg up by knowing British music. Uh, number one in the U.S., is a very, very early 2000s pop hit. Amazed by Lone Star. You know that one? Yeah. 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 Country pop, when that was all their age. Number one in the UK was Pure Shores by All Saints. Um, I like that one better. It's a girl group pop song, but it's good. I like that one. And in theaters that week, again, 2000 was like the year I got into movies. So all of these ring a bell for me. Uh, in theaters this week were The Whole Nine Yards with Bruce Willis and Matthew Perry. 
And The Ninth Gate, the Roman Polanski film with um, Johnny Depp. Um, oh. My Dog Skip, which is a very interesting relic that no one talks about anymore. And speaking of things that have significance that no one actually watches, the film Mission to Mars premiered that week. You know how important Mission to Mars is? That's a Disney movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, that became a Disney attraction over at yeah. Epcot that nobody remembers is actually based on a movie. Yeah. Gary Sinise intros the ride as his character for Mission to Mars. Welcome to the International Space Training Center. You're here today to train for the greatest adventure in the history of mankind, the exploration of deep space. I know you're probably feeling a little bit nervous right now, but don't worry. Every astronaut has felt that way at one time or another even the heroes who went to the moon. But there is one thing that they have that you don't have, training. If we have time for a funny story, um, I went on Mission Space um, when I was a kid. Uh, I, I've, been to, I've been to Disney a handful of times, but I, I went on there when I was like maybe 11 or 12. And Mission Space has a couple of different like versions. Like, like there's, right. there's a version that doesn't the one I went on with my dad? Um, it acts as a flight simulator. So it, what it does is it it, it 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 spins you around really fast, and it gives you like the 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 effect of you know uh, launch of 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 going of of being hurled into space because you know that's something that is really painful and you got to wait to get back from that because you have to completely fight the Earth's gravity and atmosphere and everything. So. They simulate this, and the whole thing is like, okay, we're going to do this, and then uh, we're going to call on your uh, part of the ride, and you'll get to press a button when we do this. And I, I'm so distracted, because the whole flight simulator thing, I am just, like, trying to hang on to what little I had for lunch. And, like, I, I'm just, like, like Gary's and he's like, oh, number three, press the green button. Now I'm like, okay, Gary, fine. But I'm like, okay, <laughs> stay put. We got off the ride. I, I must have been woozy for the whole rest of the day after I got off that ride. I was like, just, like, just, uh, I was seasick. For hold that turkey leg down. Yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, whatever festive food we had around Epcot, I'm like, Ugh. but um, yeah, I'm, I'm never going on that ride again. Um, and Mission to Mars exists solely as a vessel for that ride much like how dinosaur exists solely to as a vessel for the uh animal kingdom ride dinosaur. topical reference oh yeah for they're now. taking that away yeah for now yeah it's going to become indiana jones i believe right yeah, they're it's doing a mixture of like, indiana jones but also in kanto so, like, it's a South American kind of theme where you get to explore jungles, but also get to see Maribel's house, I believe. I don't know how they're doing it, but I know that those are the two main points they're drawing. Is from. your friend now going to apply to the Disney character program so she can be as part of the Encanto experience? You see, I don't think my friend of mine who, who's, who's a character performer, who was a character performer before the pandemic, I don't know if she's planning on going back. I do have a friend that still works in the parks and literally just yesterday, Mark posted a new profile photo of herself of her posing with figments. So I think she's in Epcot, 
But I don't know if she's going to transfer. Uh, she might transfer to it to, to the Encanto thing because she is. I think she is of partial uh, uh, Hispanic heritage. But like, so she'd be able to. Mm-hmm. Not, not to say that white people can't. But um, yeah, I think that like she she might want it, or she might not want it depending on what she wants. But um, uh-huh. yeah, no, I. That's the thing. I'm cool. I have friends that work at Disney. <laughs> yeah, no, fucking mission to Mars, like. I, I I had a professor in college who I, I took this course in 2015 and it was right before The Martian came out and he said you know to this point there hasn't really been any movies that accurately or accurately de- depict Mars well or are any good and Mission to Mars does some things well and I we saw some scenes from that movie in that class the ending scenes actually and mm-hmm. it's an interesting movie it's not a good movie it's an interesting movie. And then, of course, the Martian. He was saying, you know, they're 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 doing a movie of the Martian, and it's going to be really good. And it was. So, yeah, the Lost Cartoons. Uh, we don't know who wrote or directed it, but it it was released uh, in 2000, and it was put on the Golden Collection. So I watched this a lot growing up. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Basically, when we talked about the uh, the the big behind the tunes feature at uh, Irreverent anim- Animation, uh, a lot of the information that was presented there was basically presented in the Lost Cartoons in a less slow voice than Stan Freeberg. Isidore Frizz Freeling, who started it at working with of iWorks. So I'm sure eventually I'm sure eventually we're gonna get to covering that. Yeah, I probably. Don't know about, wow. You know. Soon enough. Um okay, getting into it. Who knows? Maybe watching a little bit of imagination will also kick off episode ideas like this episode because wow there's a lot of stuff in here watching this going oh yeah we, we did episode on that we, we did, did that we, we did, did that. That. that's uh, that's a good game to play with, with the lost cartoons episodes okay they, uh, we did that we did that we did that as well so no it's really interesting um so it's funny because in the in the very beginning of this in the intro that the narrator has uh, she says she refers to the warner brothers cartoon vault now, unlike the Disney Vault, this is something that actually exists. You remember that, like, when they would do, like, commercials for, like, Disney re-releases on DVD, and and it would always end with the announcer going, oh, yeah. well, quick, because then these movies are going back into the Disney Vault. It's like, they're still going to be on some shelves. It's not like somebody's going to be going, yeah. you're going to have somebody in all the stores going, no, take that away. Wait, no, I can't. They, they're not going to like me associating them with Germany. Hand <laughs> <laughs> me your DVDs. No. 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 And, um, and that's, no, that's really straight. You know, the Disney vault's a really weird thing because, yes, it went through, you know, oh, this is a limited time thing, which given is something Disney always did, even back when they began the whole media the market, they're like, like that was that was how they were going to do the whole media stuff. It's like okay, fine, we'll get into VHS, we'll do the VHS thing. However, it has to be a limited time because they still want to preserve the interior of the movies. Because at the time in the eighties, yeah. they were still showing them in theaters. So like, no, we want them right. to go. Imagine that Disney wanting people to go to the movie theaters and not stay at home and watch their movies. Oh, what a magical! Time it was. The Warner Vaults are also, hey, what's that thing behind Jerry's book? <laughs> I mean, there is no Warner Vaults. 
None such thing exists. Um, but yeah, no, uh, this goes into just a lot of the historical aspects. And they, and they add in enough uh, fun facts that, that may not be talked about in every account of the history of the Warner Brothers and the, the Looney Division. Like the fact that Harmon and Ising were paid $50 a week to direct the first Bosco short. That was probably a lot of money in those days. <laughs> yeah, just for inflation, that's probably more than a lot of the writers are getting now. <laughs> Yes, and they do show us the uh, the opening pitch of Bosco the Talking Kid. And I don't remember if we went over this in our on, on our own forties uh, and thirties and forties episode, but um, yeah, it's still racist. Very yeah, state of the art animation, and the fact they were able to do this so early is really impressive. Bosco is racist and annoying. That's this cartoon. The animator asks what Bosco can do, and he proceeds to do stereotypes and make annoying noises. So, that's Bosco for you. <laughs> I mean, much, it's cool, yeah. but, you know. <laughs> but it's a really intriguing part that only really this, like, episode has, has covered and no other piece of Looney Media has even touched has been some one of the other Schlesinger attempts at short films and, you know, output, which is these spoony melodies. And... They've always confused me because these are essentially the first music videos. I, we're told that they were meant to replace the theater organist, so this is the first case of artists being replaced by technology. <laughs> Never changed, WB. Um, yeah. But this didn't catch on. Only four of them were made, and I wonder why. Smoony Melodies are the original version of... You know, when... You used to go into a movie theater before the pre-show began and you just heard like a curated playlist sort of faintly playing of like new and relevant pop music. Perhaps oh, even yeah. featuring pop stars covering Disney songs a lot of the time in the later years. And this is a very specific memory. But at the at the Lowe's by us that I used to go to when I was a kid before it got kind of mm -hmm. run down, um, it, we would always get in before the movie and we'd always like, you know, there'd always be music playing before the trailers and it would always... This was like in the mid 2000s. It was almost always the Daughters by John Mayer. Almost always that song would pop up. I forever will associate that song with waiting for the movie to start. And just the sort of, you Because know, ah, nothing. Because yeah. nothing. Because nothing. There's nothing. The good. Coming from that South Crawford record, it's Jordan Sinkvitz with Daughters. That is. It's version of Randy Newman. That's the weird part. There's nothing. God damn it. Because nothing gets a child more hyped to see the newest. Like, 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 what movie do you think you, you will be seeing at around this time? <laughs> like, what, like Shrek the Third or something? Oh, this was like uh, the, this was like two thousand three, two thousand four. So, like, I don't know, like Agent Cody Banks, Destination London, or uh, yeah, The Jungle Book Two, or uh, uh, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Who fucking knows? Because um, nothing gets you hyped over Harry Potter. Like John Mayer, who... Well... 
I don't want to continue that sentence. No, 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 no. But yeah, no, it just, but yeah, no, these Spoonie Melodies are just like, okay, here is a random music video thing featuring an organist that sings directly to us and sings this very 1930s song to us, and that's it, with just some occasional, like, not even animation, just some visuals and just some oh, shadows. So stilt animation, even if the narrator is like, with very limited animation yeah. for the time. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah no even shit. the narrator shading it. Like, these weren't very good. This was a horrible idea. Leon Schlesinger shouldn't have done this, but because of his love for money and his want for things that no one wants, he decided to make four of them. In the opinion of Cartoon Network, that's three too many. And because of that, only one has ever resurfaced. Hey, it's been 23 years. Who knows? Jerry will probably find one and just throw it back in the fire. Like, who needs this? <laughs> He's, I'm, I may be an animation curator, but no one needs to see this. No. Remember when Universal was burning down about 15 years ago? Jerry was rushing to the scene of it to throw three more of the Spoonie Melodies in there. <laughs> Like he's extinguishing a spirit. Be gone, you demons! May your limited animation and bad singing never haunt the masses. Oh, man. Um, uh, speaking of limited animation and bad singing, Lady, Man Lady Player Mandolin. <laughs> yes. Which, you know... They, I love the fun fact here that they made this cartoon about drinking two years before the repeal of Prohibition. Oops. It's just, just just the code watch this going. How do they know that's how drunk people act? Wait a hey, minute. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a sec. <laughs> I'll find you, Termite Terrace. You're out there somewhere. I'll find you. No, you won't. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> yes, I will. Won't. Um, also, I love how, again, again, the little digs they put into the narration here of like, like, you can tell that this is from the people who did Disney cartoons that there's some influence. Yes. Cut the footage of Foxy, who clearly, yep, it's just a disheveled mouse. It's like, yeah, okay, okay. It's, anyway. uh, yeah, it's very Disney like. And then after some of these things we've already seen, we get to. Play in the clip, the embarrassing photo from the Christmas party. I love how goofy these guys could be on the norm. Like, just p p just things they made that were only supposed to be showed at Leon's Christmas shindigs of just them goofing around. Or the one shot of the directors in drag, which, you know what? Good for them. I make it look good. Hey, uh, freezes, um, um, make my ankles look good, look nice. Yes, Chuck, your ankles are amazing. Anyways. You look beautiful. Trust me. <laughs> We're gonna knock him dead. Oh man. Some luck it hot. Starting Joseph I was just thinking of that. Let's join a, a jazz band. Oh yeah. Yeah, I've never really uh, thought of doing that before, but while we're here, you know. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh my god. But yeah, I, I like that then. I like the little just bits where they say, like, okay, they were really having fun behind the scenes. But the fun stopped when the war started, and they go into any bonds today. And 
I mean, yeah, it's it's propaganda, yeah, it's, understandable propaganda, but it's asking for money for the war effort, so I get it. Yeah, again, I always find it fascinating how, like, you know, like four years ago, Bugs Bunny, it, it's the tweet. There was a time where Bugs Bunny didn't exist, and then one day he did, and now he's helping the war effort in like five years. That's that's a very fast yeah. time to reach to reach the American public. We can do that, and that's that's pretty cool. Also. You uh you skipped over something, which is they went over Leon Schlesinger's other side hustles, yes. including co-producing B movie westerns with oh, yeah. young John Wayne. And Leon was like, Oh wait, I have an animation studio. Hey guys, yes. Do you want to do the animation basic Barely their animation for what was it? It was haunted something like haunted cowboy or some shit. I don't know. It was, it was some John Wayne movie that you've never heard of. Yeah, it's like yeah, they did the opening titles for it, and what I've seen looks basic as hell. Like, what did yeah. they animate ghosts? All right. Was, yeah, yeah, you know, John Wayne. It, it just goes to show. You know, it just goes to show. If anything, this documentary showed is that. Leon Slester's best work really was just getting the Looney crew together. It seems to be the best. It's like, yeah. this one really good thing, and the rest was crap. It was stupid crap. Yeah, Wait, okay, the Looney Tunes, so it's a-okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it goes into wartime stuff after that. Um, I like the point that she makes about Private Snafu because it's very reminiscent of a lot of what Jerry and the yeah. gang were saying about the Looney Tunes shorts and the Golden Collections. They're basically saying even though they, these were crass, they were meant to rally the troops despite having some stereotypes and some lewd imagery. This was not made for all audiences. This was made for a bunch of young men who were tinned up in you know, and sequestered in order to fight for their country. And they needed some cheering up. So they were appealing to young military people. And so that's and why... it's in. not the only one. No. <laughs> it's not the only one in this. Which is a no. little... Which is crazy, right? It's crazy that, at least according to the time frame presented in, in this special, they did stuff for World War Two. And they made stuff that went into the Vietnam War. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> Which we'll get into, but... Uh, yeah. yeah, no, but... Um, the private snap of the cartoon they show was Spies. This is the one I was most familiar as a kid because I watched it through this, because of the special. I actually think it's one of the best ones they did. Very funny way of illustrating the looseless... The loose lips sink ships moral. It's simple, and I like how they they caricature Hitler and, and the Germans as that sort of evil villains here. I mean, yeah, it's crass, but it does pretty well. Yeah. And then the other one is the Seaman Hook, um, which is another word for um, Captain Hook's son. <laughs> That's a pretty degrading nickname for your son. How are you, Seaman Hook? Dad, I have arms and legs now. Yeah, but you'll but always be always semen be... hook to me. Dad. Wish the crocodile finished you off. Um, and this is an interesting short because this hook cartoon, this hook cartoon, <laughs> is about you know he's telling his fellow comrades what his plans are to do after the war, 
it's a very, you know, optimistic view. You know, he's going to be celebrated, get his girlfriend, get married, live the good life. And then it ends with, you know, hey, send out your bonds. What I find funny about it is that I watch this hook cartoon. I'm going, wait, but according to 90 Day Wandering, when you get back from the war, your girlfriends have all moved on, all your friends are gone, and you're better off just re-enlisting. Yeah, um, it's very funny, like, what 40s-era propaganda versus 50s-era propaganda. Yeah. Okay, we're not going to need you after this. And then, oh, turns out we really do need you. <laughs> yeah, there are good gags here. And it's very funny that this is what Hank Ketchum was doing before Dennis the Menace. Uh, it, it only really amounts to more propaganda. It's it's a hook for more bonds. and It's not great. And we get into a lot of stuff we've already covered. Um, like clips from the movies. Yes, yep, yep we covered them. Mm-hmm. Um, I like how the editor uses the term borrows. For the gag work in Two Guys from Texas. Like, yeah, yes. sure. Borrows. Yeah. Stole oh, would man. also have worked. Yeah. And I think after the movies was so much for so little, which. <laughs> yes, which in, in the narration, it's like it's a rather dated three cents a week to the health department. Yep. It's like, okay. I get that. That's what I do like here is about, about the people who wrote this, which I'm pretty sure Jerry helped write this as well. Of yeah. just uh, listen, we know. We know, okay, we know this is stupid, we know this is dated, but we'll bring it up so that we don't sound like we're ignorant. Also, how many times are we going to have to watch so much for so little? If I see that short one more time, I Too many! By the way, and and, and I I only remember this whenever they really remember to showcase it, which isn't often, but Orange Blossoms for Violent is such a fun concept. (laughs) So ahead of its time. Yeah, it's, uh, it's Chuck Jones and Fritz feeling riffing, essentially. Uh, yep. Like a written riff on monkey footage. They're having fun. and You get the actual voices from Mel Blanc and Robert C. Brewers and B. Benadera. And it's it's basically almost a live-action Looney Tunes cartoon. And it actually really works. So, yeah. 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 I'm glad they pointed that out. They show one of the Ralph Phillips uh, mid fifties propaganda films. Uh, drafty, isn't yeah. it? Uh, we're not going to say that much about this one because uh, we have plans for this one. But um, I'll just give this as a little bit of a preview. What am I to make of this shot of Ralph bending over with his ass muscles? He's flexing his cheeks. God bless America. Stay tuned oh, in the man. air for that. Uh, yes, yeah, you're gonna love that. Uh, I will say it's not as infuriating as the re- as the other one we we, we did uh, last year, but it's not much better. Hmm. Yeah. I think it is, but we'll get more to it later. Okay. So they have a a nice little package of loony commercials. You notice. Um, a clip or two of the uh, just one more glass of Tang before I go one that we did last year. Yeah, that. Um, I noticed that when they cut to commercial, they were advertising the commercials. They played a little bit of the doing the cool, the Kool-Aid cool from uh, from the Kool-Aid commercial. A little too. bit, yeah. A little bit of that. Yeah. 
And they, and, just... and they did show a Tang commercial with uh, Marvin the Martian. Yeah. Not as funny as the Sam one, but pretty good. Doing a Tangula. Which... <laughs> yeah. It's the... Oh, man. The, the Tangula is so hard to find. <laughs> the, the planet that... I'm, I'm not even going to address that. The planet that... Um, it's, it's supposed to be a planet populated by Tang that produces Tang. And so Bugs goes to this planet and takes all of its Tang. So isn't he robbing it of its natural resources? The midnight oil of Tang world are going to be furious. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Um, Let's see what else. There's, um, oh, yeah. yeah, there's, there's a little the bit Gilbert of... Uh, Gil yeah, Filbert. Filbert. They, they show a little bit of that. Um, I had forgotten it was directed by Richard Donner, who also did uh, Superman and the Goonies and Lethal Weapon. Also, William Schaller uh, was the guy in it. Uh, he, he's been in some Joe Dante movies, so that's pretty cool. Oh, that's a yeah. pretty round, loony, loony, all-round loony connection. Yeah. No, Filbert is interesting. Uh, it sort of works, doesn't entirely. Yes, uh, Filbert at one point calls the girl that's come over to see, uh, to see him a witch. So, you yeah. know, not entirely respectful. Men in the 50s wrote this. Yeah, but also, um, you know, guy meant for the 50s. You know, the, the whole point of it would have been a live-action animated series. <laughs> it would have beaten out of Jimmy's head by 50 years. <laughs> Herman's head and inside Schwartz. Um... And then they, they go into detail about Adventures of the Roadrunner, which was, before it was divvied up into shorts that missed the purpose of it, it was a full 30-minute pilot. Um, they showed some of the stuff that was used in the pilot that wasn't showed in the shorts they broke up. Uh, it, it's interesting, but probably in the better context of the pilot. We've covered it. You know, and, and then they, they go out on that as well. They, and they, they say some very important things as they go out on footage of Adventures of the Roadrunner. Here is the closing scene of The Adventures of the Roadrunner. The poor quality of this rare animation is a poignant reminder of the importance of film preservation, which is now a top priority at many animation studios. Tonight, we looked back at some rare and priceless cartoons, but now we must look forward to finding and preserving other lost animated treasures. In year 2023, I feel like that's a message that should be played again. Um, the, the way the way yeah. I put it, I feel like that was Jerry at the end going, "Okay, we're sending them home. We're sending them home. Preserve animation and send yeah. and send. <laughs> Do it, please. It can't just be me doing all this. Me and my bat cave. I mean, at this time, you know, we had you know the Walt Disney Treasures coming out, preserving the Disney shorts. We got the Looney Tune Going Collections, which definitely helped." that case um th through wb i mean tom and jerry you know they get they got their dvd collections um all the hand of productions have gotten preserved um yeah a, a lot of cartoon history has been uh preserved at such a certain point you can definitely if you're looking for a piece of animation you can probably find it um though funny enough yeah. But funny enough, the preservation, because I, I feel with like, you know, the, the, the 40s, 50s, 60s, all the way to like 
honestly, around 2000, I think I've been preserved very pretty well. It's today, it's the stuff from yeah. the 2000s, the 2010s, and from the 2010s, that's where the big, that's the next step in preservation. Uh, for, for instance, again, topical, a couple of days ago, people online, they found the Blue's Clues pilot. A pilot yeah. to Blue's Clues. And that was a really big deal because, you know, it's like, yeah. oh, my God, because it's such a big show and no one's seen the pilot fall and they just they found it. Yeah, the, the next preservation um, era is the 2000s and the 2010s with the 2020s also getting involved. But that's due to corporate greed and yeah. not due to... Um, intolerance well actually it's both that yeah. actually both corporate yeah, well, and intolerance but, i mean yeah and you hope that they eventually heed the words of their own people and their own company and they hope that they eventually realize that, that that preserving history is more important than making money but with a lot of trends going as they are it may not immediately happen and there may have to be a bubble that bursts before things actually change in this regard and i don't know if it will uh because we're still in the midst of a writer's strike uh three or four months after it started the the disconnect between the people that um produce media versus the people that are the creatives is still insanely unfair we're still in this sort of low point in terms of what media should be and how it should be preserved and how it should be kept i mean you you see disney contemplating not releasing its new films on physical media and what that could do if, you know, Disney plus ever goes down or if it becomes even more paywalled or if the acts, if they decide they don't want people to have access to their films. I would argue the opposite on that front because just recently they did announce that they are doing 4k steelbooks of, Loki season one and the Mandalorian like they're now starting to like put some Disney plus series on physical media good but the problem is those shows were never going to get lost no it's it's Willow and the ones that really need to be preserved. it's Willow it's Stargirl it's you know yeah. it's the little projects that you may not care about that I may not care about but somebody does yeah now, that, that's something that we've learned a lot about doing the LinkedIn show is that there is a fan of everything. Even though you may think there's a fan of, there is. So yeah. there is a fan of, of that Willow series that's feeling really miffed. Yeah. A friend of mine likes the original. I think she probably liked the new one. So that is definitely something that they have to, um, have to yeah. further uh, work on. And hopefully... Um, Max wants if they want to just go nuts and go like, oh wait, we, oh shit, we left the fifty shorts off our service. Here you go, sorry. Here's here's Duck Dodgers. Here's Tasmania. Here's the package movies, and you know, oh here's Afterburners Coyote. By the way, sorry about that. So, so sorry oh, yeah. that we haven't given you guys the heads right. up on that. But um, well. You know, if they're not going to immediately snap into what they should be. So. No, no. But yeah, no, overall, very good episode of this. There's a reason why 
they included on the Golden Collection. I think because a lot of the same people that were doing the Golden Collections were doing Tune Heads, and they wanted to say, like, hey, this is, you know, people who also like this also watch this, and this is probably the same kind of thing. So, yeah, no, very good one. I'm glad we covered it. Yeah, I'd give this a, um, a four out of five animals. That's exactly what I'm giving it. So, let's see what you guys had to say about Tune Heads. The first one we have here is a comment from Spiders Prime 2, frequent commenter. Says, the Lost Cartoons is very interesting. That existed, like, that Frizz and Richard Donner did the Filbert pilot together. Yeah, no, I, 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 it, I always forget that Richard Donner did that. Filbert is a real oddity. It's weird that it exists. It's weird that a network almost passed on it, where this could have been a television show. Um... Odd that somebody tried a live-action animation show in the 50s and that it was Warner Brothers. Well, yeah, because I, I think at the 50s, especially the 50s, they're like, well, we can do animation live-action with commercials. Why not try? That, that's pretty much what it was. Pretty much just like, yeah. oh, well, we can, we can do basic live-action animation projects on television every single week. You know what the film probably would have been? And it's probably like the first episode... Filbert's there a lot, like the pilot. So it's like, oh, Filbert's. It's been a while since seen the full pilot, but I'm pretty sure Filbert's in it a good amount of time. Yeah, and then they phase him out because it's not as as expensive. Exactly. I think if if it were to get picked a series, it would be like you know they would write ways that Filbert can't be in the rest of the episode. Like, What's oh, that? No, he... Filbert's at a farm downtown. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. So we have a. Um... A comment here from Animation Rocks at Pet Projects. Uh, yeah, that's Brandon. That's, that's our old friend Brandon uh, from the Who's Line chat. So yes, um, a minor nitpick about the Lost Cartoons that most of the cartoons on Special weren't lost per se. They were just either overlooked or forgotten about. Also, I remember most of the shorts being edited weirdly. So your your main criticism of Tune Heads, the lost cartoons, is that they weren't lost. It would be a very short episode. <laughs> I can do this because I'm friends with you, Brandon. Um, excuse me, princess. <laughs> <laughs> like, they called it the... Oh, it, it, the episode wouldn't have gotten as many views if it was called the episodes that aren't completely lost but don't get talked about anymore. Like, you, you gotta get them with a good title, The Lost Cartoons. Yeah, that ropes you in. Not, yes. you know, you don't, even if it's not completely in truth, it's like, you know. Yeah, I, I do agree with you about the editing, though. There are some things where they, um, they get, they edit around things, or they, they truncate episodes. They truncated Rabbit Trouble. Um, they truncated uh, Fresh Hair, but they had a reason for that. Yes, 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 yes. We have a comment from Key the Drummer from Fife. That drummer from Fife. It says, 18 years ago, he picked up a set of Looney Tunes DVDs while vacationing in Portugal. One of them had Tune Heads, The Lost Cartoons, as a boning feature, and that was really fascinating. That was his introduction to characters like Bosco and Foxy and shorts like Private Snafu. He also has a picture of, of some of these DVDs. These are, I don't know if they're licensed, but they look kind of, they, they have the same kind of design. As, and same sort of colored rings thing as some of the golden collections, but they're they're more like like okay, this is a, a Bugs Bunny one, and this is a Elmer Fudd cartoons, and this is Buster and Tweety, 
It's it's interesting. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that these were repackaged Gone Collection discs sold separate. That would make sense. But yeah, no, I'm I'm glad that you know it's it's it, it, it's always intriguing hearing about like bootleg or like unofficial releases that do a lot of that work and and hey, you know I'm the, I hope you got a good deal on them in Portugal. I mean, you know, I've never been to Portugal. I don't know. And we also have a a, a brief comment from from a long DGBT name. is canon. Yes, D. Which DGB DBGT? Sorry, Dragon I, I can Ball. read Dragon yeah. Ball. Yeah, Dragon Ball Dragon GT. Ball, yeah. Well, coming from Dragon Ball GT is canon, at which who suddenly says that Toon Heads was underrated. Yeah, it was. It was it absolutely? I agree. Was. It, it definitely showed that I feel it was a little bit ahead of its time. Really? Yeah. I feel if they were to try to do this now, I think it would be more really appreciated because now there's more people who are more aware of animation history and what it takes to do animation. I think a lot more people would be a lot more interested in how it was done in the old in the olden days, you know, and, and the people who did it behind it. You know, I think it's good that a that a new generation would again, you know, like we did, know that when they see Chris Freeling's name on LinkedIn short, they're like, oh, it's he did this, this, he was born in yeah. Kansas, and it sounds like this. So, yeah. It's information that you wouldn't think is important to have until get do a show like this. Yeah, exactly. And But also, it is very much a product of that era of Cartoon Network, because this was from the launch of the network up until uh, Time Warner's acquisition by, I believe, AOL, and We've, we've talked about the uh, June 12th, 2004 rehaul where everything was completely different. Um, and Toonheads was one of the victims of that. And so, you know, as many executives and people who thought they knew how to make money would re-engineer the channel, they would lose sight of some of the great things about the initial run, including Toonheads. I wish we had shows like this now, but I don't know if people running the network can be like, can think it can make much of a profit, which, fuck that mentality. The last comment we have here is from our friends at Termite Terrace Club. It says, Toonhead's one of the best, uh, one of Cartoon Network's best programs, especially during the powerhouse era of the network. The informative wraparound segments add weight to what is presented, thanks to producer George A. Klein. Yes, George is one of these unsung guys from this era, along with Jerry Beck and that. Is George, is, is, is this the George that, that, that Jerry does those chats with now, or is that a different George? Different George. Different. Yeah, different it's George. not George uh, Feldenstein, who, uh, who, who, who is the head of Warner Archive, was also the head of Warner Home Video for the Gone Collections. Yeah, so if you're wondering why the Warner Archive releases were all of a sudden very pro-animation, that's probably why. <laughs> but yeah, no, um, no I, I, I agree with you. Uh, TTC. Yeah, no, it, it's a very important show. One of the best things that they did in terms of programming paved the way for 30 years of Warner archiving and very important. Yeah, so thank you so much, everyone, for your comments this week. Um, You know, I, I got the answer, Jordan. I wasn't expecting this many comments for TuneIn's. Me either, but I'm glad that, uh, glad y'all had some thoughts on it. I'm glad you guys uh, wrote in. So thank y'all. Thank you. Uh, before we get to what we're doing next week, we just want to take this opportunity to thank the people that have subscribed to our Patreon. People such as Triscrew, Andrew, James Irish, Sam Adams, the, the guy, not the drink. 
they have um, have helped us out by pledging anywhere from a dollar to five dollars on our Patreon, and they get perks like being thanked in the middle of an episode, in addition to their commentaries that they get that we record, as well as early access to episodes and handwritten letters from me, and also playbacks of live streams. So if you want to become a patron, just like those four that I thanked in the middle of this episode, you can follow our patron at patreon.com slash tnqaf. So for next week, we are continuing our commentary series entitled They're Coming to Get You, Hanna-Barbera, where we commentate over the Flintstones' first theatrical outing, The Man Called Flintstone. The Man Called Flintstone, yes. And, and we had a lot of fun with that one. And hopefully you guys will enjoy what we have to say on that one. And, um, yeah, no, I, I want to keep burning through a lot of these early uh, Flintstones and Jetsons ones till we get to the really weird ones. So um, enjoy that one. The next one we have, let me just make sure that I'm just sure of when this is going out. Um, yeah, so the next episode is coming out around the time of Columbus Day, I believe. And so we're not going to immediately tell you what we're doing, but we're doing something a little different, and we're going to do something fun and silly that the... (laughs) I will explain this at the top of the episode, why we're doing this when we are doing it, but it's very important that we do this specifically on Columbus Day weekend. And um, hopefully you guys are going to enjoy it, even if it's a little different. So it may be not what you're expecting, but I'm very excited for it. And um, we'll proceed with the uh, regular tomfoolery right after that. So hopefully you'll enjoy what we have coming up next week. All right. So that's the end of this week's show. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at MarkHalem1995. And you can follow me at TallGuySchmidt. If you'd like to keep up with the podcast or give your thoughts for next week's episode, follow us at that underscore loony, both on Twitter and Instagram, or turn the podcast title. We are the first result. And you can also fund our podcast wherever podcasts are readily available. Then includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Player FM. Amazon Music. We also have a YouTube channel where we post clips from episodes. We've been having a lot of fun with that recently. Go to YouTube and check us out. We also have a TikTok. We occasionally post stuff at. We're trying to figure out what we're doing with that. And also, if you haven't already, uh, support the podcast at www.patreon.com slash TNQAF. Yes. So, until next week, I'm Mark. And I'm Jordan. And hopefully you have a very good September 19th, 20th, 21st, and 22nd. Good night.